When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. debut that's the nothing personal word of the day it is february 27th otherwise known as the worst day of the year the day after your birthday what a letdown 2024 episode 999 spoiler alert we have a special episode 1000 tomorrow now for those of you who download the podcast and or watch it on nothing personal with david sampson youtube channel You'll note that Nothing Personal has done more than a thousand episodes because we do mailbags and sit downs and special episodes. And those count in the sequencing for monetization purposes. But in terms of what you've all come to expect every Monday to Friday at 8 a.m. with a word of the day and a review and a pick and a wait to see, this is episode 999, which means tomorrow is episode 1,000. It's going to be special. You better make sure you have a bigger screen because there's going to be more to look at than just me. That's right, folks. Matthew Coca, the esteemed producer of the award-winning show Nothing Personal, will be sharing the mic and the screen with me. For those of you who have been around, which is only amazingly under 50% of you, well under 50% of you were here at episode 500, where we did a Samson sit down with Matthew Koch, and you all got to know him. Some of you not knowing whether he was real or some sort of fictional character or someone who unfortunately had passed away like the leftovers who I was just talking to. He is real. He's spectacular. And you'll see him tomorrow. But today, if you just can't wait for debuts, then you can turn on MLB Network this afternoon and finally see Shohei Otani in Los Angeles. All right, hold on. And you can finally see Shohei Otani bat for a team in Los Angeles. No, no, we've seen that before. All right, you can finally see the debut of Shohei Otani. You can finally see the Dodgers put Shohei Otani in their lineup. What an interesting situation. MLB Network is picking up the game. It's as though this is the biggest thing ever. And it was a big story last year. All through the year, will Otani be traded? Will the Angels trade him? That was at the end of two seasons ago. Then last season, are they keeping him? Are they trading him? He got hurt. He wants to stay. He doesn't want to stay. Then he goes through free agency. And free agency, should I stay? Should I go? Do I love you, Toronto? Do I use you, Toronto? Artie, are you upset? Mike, see you later. Hello, Mookie. Hello, Freddy. Hello, Kike. $4 million for Kike Hernandez. yippee ki 
Thank God they traded Manuel Margot where they never would have had the money for Kike. It's more like spot. So Shohei Otani, spring training for the Dodgers is well underway. As a matter of fact, they are only 22 days away from the start of their regular season. Don't forget that they open in South Korea in Seoul against the San Diego Padres in a 6 a.m. Eastern time game, which is so convenient. We didn't even touch on this, Coco. This is my favorite. For all of you fans of the Los Angeles Dodgers who are on the West Coast watching us at 5 a.m., thank you, or at any time you're watching, how pumped up are you for the 3 a.m. start? I must have it wrong. I must have it wrong. Do they have two West Coast teams, Dodgers Padres, playing at 3 a.m. local time for their season opener? Is this really true? Let's just for fun, just because we're here, just because we're live. Coca, where are you with that? Let's just see. I got, I'm putting on the glasses. Who's going to wake up at 3 a.m. to watch Otani? Maybe you're more interested in the spring training debut. Yes, 3.05, right here. It's official. Set your alarms. The new close games. This is the worst part about the new pitch clock which is now down two seconds. Don't forget, they changed the rules for the pitch clock this year with no one on base. It's two seconds faster. Another thing that's totally angering the union. Forget see-through jerseys. We don't want pitchers getting hurt. So they changed, and the game times are like a half hour shorter. But a 3 a.m. game with a regular game time from years ago, if you think about this, when they go three and a half easy, the game ends at 6.30, you start your day. You can't go back to sleep. But what if they play like a two-hour and 20-minute game and it's over at 5.20 and it's that interim period for normal people? I was on a 5.20 a.m. show this morning with Amy Lawrence. They love having me on because I don't need to pre-tape. I'm live, ready to go, chipper at 5.20 a.m. But for regular people who can actually sleep, what do you do at 5.20? Do you go back to bed? So I had a show this morning at 5.20 and a show at 7 before I start the pre-nothing personal routine with Coca at 7.25 a.m. Eastern. I didn't go back to bed between 5.40 and 7 o'clock. I stayed up. I did reading. What are you all going to do? But today we could watch them, and everyone's excited. It's the lead story, even of our show. I would just like to explain a couple things about spring training that there may be some confusion about. Otani is getting at-bats. He knows the number of at-bats he wants to get before March 20th, and then the number of at-bats he'd like to have before March 28th, which is the second opening day. The team works with him. He's a position player only. He's got to work in some rehab for his elbow, but that's separate. He is getting himself ready as a position player. Ironically, his position is designated hitter. He will never be in the field. So it was announced that he'll be the designated hitter for today's game. Well, yeah, anytime you see him in the lineup, that's the position he'll play. Are there scenarios where there could be double and triple switches where they shove him in left or right field for an inning or two? No, not going to happen as he is trying to come back from Tommy John surgery. There is zero scenario where he will play in the field this year. So when you're managing against the Dodgers, you do not have to as the bench coach, and the bench coach's job is to forecast what's going to happen, what moves the other team is going to make. 
make sure the manager is aware of what's happening in the game, make sure the manager is aware of who's ready to pinch hit for our team, for their team, what matchups will be. Preparing for Otani to be in the field, do not waste your time. So announce that he's going to DH. That's great. All excited. And then Dave Roberts said that ultimately Otani himself will decide the number of at-bats he has in today's game. Uh, I've never heard of that. And I spoke to some people I used to work with, and none of us have ever heard of that. And I don't mean I spoke to like my CFO. I spoke to some of my baseball people. Do you think that after every at-bat comes off the field and says, all right, skip one more. All right, no problem. Do you know how calculated the appearances are for pitchers and position players in spring training? They're aware before the game starts, hey, you're going to get two at-bats. If it happens in the first inning because we bat around, great. Get your two at-bats and then hit the weight room, shower, and go play golf or go play video games. The manager is not taking meetings after every at-bat to take the temperature of every player in terms of what they're going to do. But David, this is Otani. Totally different rules apply. There shouldn't be. So I believe the Dodgers already know, and Otani already knows the number of at-bats he's going to get. But you want to make it mysterious because of viewership. If you know Otani's only getting two at-bats, then after a second at-bat, see you later. There's no reason to watch anymore. But if you don't know for sure, and it's not like there'll be a defensive replacement because he's the DH. So keeping the mystery alive is very important because MLB Network wants eyes. From the Dodgers' standpoint, I understand their excitement. It's great. Dave Roberts actually came out and just said it's exciting. Show's excited. I like that he calls them show. They're best buddies now. Show's excited to get out there and play some baseball. So, you know, the plan is to get him two, three at-bats, you know, whatever he feels is good enough for that day. So I have a suggestion for the Dodgers. You better operate this season as though Shohei is one of your players because you've got a team full of stars and you've got an opportunity for this team to go far. And the Dodgers players have way more playoff experience than Shohei, who has the same amount of playoff games played that Coca does. So I would want to be very careful, even though he's got a big following, even though he's one of the most popular players in the world, the face of Major League Baseball, arguably, huge Japanese media presence, etc. You've got to be super careful because the players are all being good right now in L.A., Freddie and Mookie, the leaders, how excited they are, et cetera, et cetera. But I've seen teams go south when there are too many stars in the kitchen. So I am very focused on the Dodgers this season, and the journey is starting today. And yes, I'll be watching. So one of you had a question about spring training that matches perfectly with what we were just talking about. So I think I'm going to answer it right now. You know what I want? <laughs> I want to talk to Samson. So you want to talk to Samson. Get into my Twitter, X, at David P. Samson, or davidsampsonpodcast.com. Ask a question, and you never know. You never know. Hey, David. Hello. What should I be watching for as a fan during spring training? 
What were you looking out for as a front office member? That's a very succinct question. And that is a question that I get a lot because many of you are box score bandits. So you're looking at a box score and you're saying, wow, he got two hits or wow, he had a home run to center field. Wow, two innings of scoreless baseball. A lot of the beat writers will tweet out performances of your favorite team's players and they'll do it as though it is epic news. In an amazing development, blank gave you a scoreless inning in relief. Our closer is ready. Or our starting pitchers building up two innings, three Ks, no hits, none earned. So let me tell you what it is for scouts to watch spring training, what it is for on-field coaching staff to watch spring training, and then what it is for front office. I'll end with me and I'll start with scouts. What scouts are during, doing during spring training is they are looking for invites on other teams who are likely release candidates because of roster crunch size who will be available to be picked up by the team in which they're working for. So they're looking for any of those type of players, but they're doing the majority of their work during BP. They're doing it on backfields. They're speaking to people in the front office or of scouts of the other teams. It is very rare in today's day and age for a scout to go to a game, see player wearing number 69 and say, oh, I didn't know about him. Oh, I'm just learning. Oh, I think I really want him because he just stole two bases. There's never in 18 years a scout who's come to me and said, wow, that's a tool. And we talk about tools that players have, their arm, their legs, their eyes, their bat, their et cetera. Oh, I didn't know we had a speed tool. Fantastic. We could use that on the bench. So scouts are using these games more to make sure they've compiled their lists of potential acquisition targets and that they confirm what they believe they already know about a particular player. Interestingly enough, spring training performances are more used as confirmation bias, meaning when a scout has a view of a player and they see the player play well, they say, oh, we knew it, versus a player who they think is good who has a bad game, and they say, oh, it's only spring training. So you change the narrative according to what your actual initial evaluation was of a player. The coaching staff, their job is to make sure that they're hitting the numbers. The numbers I talked about of how many at-bats a player gets, how many innings pitched player pitchers need, when bullpen arms need to go back-to-back to, back to get ready for the season. This early in spring training, nobody's going back-to-back. But toward the middle of spring training, you'll see certain bullpen arms pitching on back-to-back -back days in order to simulate the workload of a season, in order to get your arm ready for a season. So the coaches are truly keeping track of that. And then they're working with the front office on the cut schedule. There was a great photo, Coca, of the San Diego Padres dugout during their first spring training game, and it was SRO except that's totally normal. That's how every dugout, dugout looks. There's a ton of players who dress for a game. If you look at a box score, once a player gets to at-bats, then they go to the backup player and then the backup player. Minor league players love spring training being backups because when you're called up from spring training, 
minor league to be a fill-in for a major league game, you get paid extra money. That's why when you read that player X was signed to a minor league contract with an invite to major league spring training, that means that player is getting the major league per diem, and that player is part of the spring training roster, which is eligible to play games. But then you've got players signed to a minor league contract without an invitation to major league camp. Those players are at a spring training called minor league camp. And every day we call the minor league head of player development and say, here's the five players we need at the major league game in order to fill in. Whether we need an extra inning or two of arms, there's the Padres. Look at that. Everyone was saying, wow, what a crowded dugout. Take a look at every other dugout. My focus was more like, wow, that's not a lot of fans. So what about the front office? We sit, we either sit in the suite or sit behind the plate. Very, very different than regular season where GMs are in the suite almost every game, if not every game. Spring training, we would sit behind the plate at road games, sit in the suite or behind the plate at home games. We're looking for health. We're looking for ethic. Who's taking spring training seriously? Who's getting themselves ready? We're making sure that we are in a position where we've worked backwards from opening day and that the pitching's lined up, that the hitters are getting the at-bats that we had assigned them to get before spring training starts. We are making sure there are certain positions that are open. Let's say that you are looking at two bench positions and two bullpen positions. But the irony is that those decisions are very rarely made as correlated to performance of players during spring training. Decisions like end of the bench are made according to what that player is going to get paid because what you'll read about is this veteran player was signed to a minor league deal with an invite to spring training. And if he makes the big league club, he gets $2 million. But if you release him by March 15th, you owe him nothing. So when you're putting your roster together, you're sort of keeping track. And remember, we told you when you lose an arbitration case and have to play, pay a player an extra million dollars, that's actually going to come out of the pocket of one of those veteran minor league free agent signings who you're not going to add to your team, even if they're the best opportunity to, because you don't want to blow through your budget. You are watching the bullpen arms. You will have spots in your bullpen. But again, what's most important? Where you are with options. Options are the way you get a player from the minor leagues to the major leagues and from the major leagues to the minor leagues. So you'll read in the transactions column every single day of the season. Blank John Cocktoston optioned to AAA Scranton. What that means is that that player under the collective bargain agreement has at least one option remaining and you get a total of three options. That's not three. That's what it was when I was there. I don't know if the numbers changed. That's not three times you can be sent to the minor leagues. That's three different seasons. Each time you are optioned during a season, it still only counts as one of your options, which is why players who have options 
they are called up and they're sent down. Then they're called up and they're sent down. And they're on the train back and forth. As opposed to players who are out of options, which is another crop of players, who you cannot just send down to the minor leagues without exposing that player to waivers, which means that player can be claimed by any of the other 29 teams and you could lose him. So when you're in spring training, we have a list. Here's our players who have options. Here's our players who are out of options. We would sooner keep a player who's out of options and send to the minor leagues a player who has options, even if that player is more deserving, because we can send them down to the minor leagues without losing them. As opposed to the player without options, where if we don't have him make the team, we have to put him through waivers and we could lose him. So there's a ton of different rules, ton of different things that you want to think about when you are watching a spring training game. But I will end this answer by telling you there's one thing that no executive is looking at. Yet for whatever reason, it gets tweeted out by the team Twitter accounts, tweeted out by beat writers. Cardinals win three to one. Don't care. I couldn't tell you my spring training record. I know one year with Joe Girardi, we won the Grapefruit League. And the only reason I remember that is we were supposed to be terrible. And we had the best record in spring training because Joe Girardi managed the spring training games as though they were regular season, if not playoff games, thinking that, hey, if you win the Grapefruit League, that can give you great momentum into the regular season, which is total horse hockey. Okay. Thank you for that question. All right, let's take a break. I got to tell you the movie I watched on my birthday. I was going to review The Leftovers because I finished that yesterday at like four in the morning. But then I watched my birthday movie, movie of the week, movie of the day. I'm going to review it when we come back. And then we're going to talk about some stuff going on right now in Indianapolis. And I don't mean the All-Star game. And I don't mean the Pacers. I mean the Scouting Combine. An interesting take on what's going on there when we come back. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step -step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. That's bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. It's David Sampson and Matthew Coca live every day at 8 a.m. Tell your friends about Nothing Personal. Please subscribe on YouTube as well as wherever you get your podcasts. Keep spreading the word because we're having fun. Hope you are too. You know, it wasn't fun. 103 minutes of anyone but you with Glenn Powell and Sidney Sweeney. A supposed romantic comedy. 
a very good supporting cast. Dermot Mulroney, Rachel Griffiths, Brian Brown, crying out loud. My expectations were extremely high. The reason I watched the movie yesterday is normally after the show, I go and I watch a movie as part of need to review a movie, watch a movie every day. And I try not to be on the phone. I try not to look at Twitter. I try not to work on the next day's show. But on your birthday, I think you'd all agree that your phone's a little more active. You're getting the annual texts from a majority of the people in your life. You're checking Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. You log on to Twitter because you want to see the balloons every time you log on. So I knew I would have movis interruptus. So given that, I wanted to watch a brainless movie. So I spent the 20 bucks and I watched Anyone But You, about two people who meet in a coffee shop, shockingly. Sydney Sweeney tries to do her best physical comedy routine with a scene starting right off the bat in the movie that was neither physical nor funny. They hate each other, but all of a sudden they connect, but then she overhears him say, I didn't mean it because he doesn't want to let his friends know that he may have caught feelings. So she goes away, they separate. And then coincidentally, their sister and best friend are getting married. So they go to Australia and then they have to pretend they're together, but then they're not together. Then they may be together. Then they're not together. Then there's other people brought into the mix who are equally as good looking, which are supposed to serve as the distractions. It's like they've got a plan. And then what do you think happens at the end? Shocking. Spoiler alert, at the end of the romantic comedy, they generally end up together. Mind-boggling. Let me save you the 1999 and the 103 minutes by simply saying this. Anything but that is what the movie should be called. And that is my view of what I should have watched yesterday. All right. Indianapolis is having its moment. No sooner do the NBA All-Stars get on the plane that the scouting combine starts. Scouting combine, a made-for-television product. How high can you jump? How fast can you run? Nothing like watching an offensive lineman run a 40-yard dash. Wow, that guy ran a 4-1, a 4-6, a 4-9, a 6-9. My 40-yard dash speed is 6.9. Wow, that guy can really jump. Did you see the height? of the peg that he was able to touch. Look at that vertical. Holy criminy. Look at the way he runs routes. Blown away. The NFL said this is a unique opportunity during this time period, post-Super Bowl. Not much going on. The draft's not till April. Let's make this a made-for-TV product. Let's get NFL Network and other networks talking about football. Total ego play. Can't stand those bastages at the NFL. Always trying to take the light away from Major League Baseball. But something weird's happening this year. Word is leaking out that certain head coaches aren't even showing up to the combine, which is heresy five years ago, 10 years ago. Then we find out that Caleb Williams, the presumptive number one pick, unless the Bears don't trade it, in which case he'd be the number two pick. He said, I will attend, like descended off the mountain. I will attend, but I won't throw. 
I thought that's strange until a Heisman winner, Jaden Daniels said the same exact thing. I'm happy to come. I don't know that I want to take that special IQ test you do. I'm not sure I'm going to run pass, punch, or kick, but I'll be there to do some schmoozing, make some appearances, sign some autos. Why is it that these top draft picks are no longer interested in the combine? Wait for it. Because what is the upside when you are a top pick in the draft to go into the combine? Tell me. Do you think that football coaches with their clipboards and their visors are watching the results of Caleb Williams' throw drill and saying, oh, he's a top of the draft kind of guy? Or do you think that Marvin Harrison Jr., by not attend attending, is sacrificing his spot in the draft, losing his slot? There's only downside. And the general rule of business is that if you go into a situation where you have only downside, you don't go into the situation. If there is concomitant upside to an action with a risk of downside, that's when you do a cost-benefit analysis, a risk-reward analysis. What do I gain at the expense of what I possibly could lose? Caleb Williams looks at this and says, eh, total gain, zero. The combine is now a middle-class event, which is ironic because the middle class has been so totally squozen in free agency as well as the general country. But from a combine standpoint, you have a chance to do the old TH. The old TH is what players who are borderline players, the reason why they go to baseball showcases or scouting combines is they have the ability to turn heads with their speed, with their lift, with their routes, with their hands, with their mouth, whatever the case may be. There is a genuine upside to performing well at the combine, somehow convincing the executives who were there that, hey, you are now on our draft board. So I am in complete agreement with the combine as a function, but I liken it to the winter meetings in baseball, which are really minor league winter meetings and people on a job hunt. It is not about making trades at the big league level or signing players at the big league level. It just is not the focus. And if that's the problem, then it's not going away. And when I say that's the problem is you've got networks who are covering the winter meetings. You've got beat writers who say, hey, to their company, pay me to go to the winter meetings because we got a lot of action. We have a lot of access to the manager and the GM and the president, and there's going to be a lot of trades and signings, but it never turns out that way. The combine to me is that same sort of concept. So I will be very interested to see whether or not there is an impact of those top players not going. And the answer is going to be no. And then I'm going to be interested to see which head coaches actually show up. We already know Mike McCarthy and Sean McVay and Matt LaFleur and Kyle Shanahan and Robert Sala. They've already 
opted not to show up. The guy who will be there, and of course this would make sense, is the new head coach in the NFL. Oh my God, Coca, I am having one of the great blanks. Los Angeles Chargers. You. That was a tough moment for me just there. Jimmy Harbaugh is going to be at the Combine because why not? Why not get a little more media avails, a little more pictures? Let's be the center of attention, the star of stars. Oh, I've got great football reason to be there. I got to learn the players. Well, you were just coaching college. Oh, but I only knew the Big Ten players and our opponents. Now I'm going to look at everybody, everybody in the draft. I've got two words for you, Jimmy Harbaugh. Eyewash. I wonder how many other head coaches are going to pass. You know who doesn't get to pass? Lower level coaches of these teams. It's not like the Rams and the Packers and the Niners aren't going to be represented. Of course they're going to be. Just not by head coaches because it doesn't even matter. I love the fact that uh, universities take pride in these combines like Michigan announced, Hey, we have our most ever players going to the combine. We're sending 18 players. Hey, Jim, don't forget to come say hi. Oh, we want to draft you. We want to just take all the Michigan players and bring them to LA. Like that's actually going to happen. So the NFL is fascinating to me because it is the big engine that could, it is a runaway train of revenue and asset appreciation. Yet there's some pretty interesting issues surrounding the game, surrounding ancillary events. What about the concept of the franchise tag? Reading about that a lot. You got the deadline coming up March 5th. Who's going to be tagged? Is my favorite player coming back? What a franchise tag means is that that player is not a free agent. That player belongs to you. And there are salaries that you must pay someone who you apply a franchise tag to. And those salaries are based on positions. And those salaries are based on what other people are making at the position, et cetera, et cetera. There's been a big stink about the running back situation. Why? Haven't we learned that in today's game, when it's not first and 10 run, second and long pass, third and short run, have we not learned that the successful NFL teams, first and 10 pass, first and 10 pass, third and one pass, second and 10 run? Everybody's backwards in their play coin. That's the analytics evolution. But now there's an opportunity for the union to complain and for NFL to have to deal with the fact that all these running backs are not going to get tagged and they're going to be free agents. Josh Jacobs, Saquon Barkley, Tony Pollard, Derek Henry, Austin Eckler. It is a glut of running backs. Why are they not being tagged? And the reason they're not being tagged is that the tags are too high. There's even a tag number for a kicker and punter like four or five million bucks. The running back tags are anywhere between 12 and $14 million. Josh Jacobs is 14 million, Saquon's is 12 million. The tag can change for a position based on a player's contract, previous contract and incentives reached, et cetera, et cetera. But 
don't worry about the details of whether it's 12 or 14. Just think about when you are putting your team together, how can you allocate that much of your cap toward a running back when running backs are being basically phased out? Well, the answer, my friend, is not blowing in the wind. The answer is that why wouldn't we be tagging our great running backs? Because our salary cap has moved up so much. So players are upset. Hey, the NFL football cap is now up to like $255 million, up from $225, a $30 million increase. This is great. We can sign everybody. You're ignoring the natural raises that existing players get. That's always a popular thing in baseball. Hey, we kept our team together. Yeah, but our payroll went up by $15 million. So the NFL executives go through and they look at Christian McCaffrey making 16 million as a unicorn. They look at Jonathan Taylor at 14 million as being an overpay. They look at Aaron Jones at 12 million as saying, wow, would I have tagged him at 12 million were he to be tag eligible right now? And it's very hard for a GM to argue to his president or owner that that's the right way to spend the money. Now, there are certain examples where you've got performing players who are not making money. That's the dream in baseball, isn't it? Where you've got pre-arbitration players who are making the minimum who you are using to win a lot of games. Think about what the Chiefs did with Isaiah Pacheco. He was a seventh-round pick. He's getting less than under a million dollars. It's easy to say we're going to keep our running back at that. But all of a sudden, when they get more experience in the league and their number goes up, their cap number goes up, McCaffrey's like 6% of the Niners cap, whereas Joe Burrow's like 20% of the Niners cap. But how many teams would want a running back that is 6% of their cap? You better be named Christian McCaffrey. So I would say to you that the free agents who are running backs are going to have a real problem. The dream is that they can get a one-year deal at a number higher than what the tag would be. It's sort of like when players are free agents in baseball and they don't take a qualified offer, which a qualified offer, let's say, is $20 million because they think they can get more than $20 million elsewhere. How many of these free agent running backs will surpass the tag number? Not many nor should they. That is a good point, Coco, and we will make that. The tag number, don't forget that when you do tag somebody, that that is fully guaranteed no matter what. All right. The guarantee, boy, the football union, it has to be totally DBR. Because in baseball, you're guaranteed every dollar, whether you suck, whether you get injured, it doesn't matter. In football, you really have to keep actually playing and playing well to keep getting paid. All right, nothing personal pick of the day. How do we do? Did the Kings beat the Heat without the Heat having any of their players? Unbelievable. Is it time for the Heat all of a sudden to head back to the playoffs and head back to the championship round with this crop of players who at best is fourth in the, I was going to say NFC, fourth in the Eastern Conference? Well, we're 26 and 29 because Kings giving a touchdown to the Heat was a straight 
loser. Tonight, we've got the Washington Wizards going against the Golden State Warriors. You're going to be shocked to know that my pick of the day is Wizards plus 11. And the reason I'm taking the 11 points is I've got this small feeling that Jordan Poole, he of the huge contract signed by Golden State when they had won a title, thinking that Jordan Poole was going to be the next Curry. Then when everyone realized that Jordan Poole stunk, they traded him. He's now a member of the Washington Wizards who stink. And Jordan Poole himself is not a leader. He is not an all-star caliber player. He is simply in the category of horrifically overpaid. So much so that when he was benched recently, it actually became a big story. And the reason it became a big story is that it's really hard for a team to sign a player or trade for a player like Jordan Poole and that team to lose 11 in a row, to be 9-48. and 48. They haven't even won double-digit games, which is unbelievable. It's really hard to do the right thing and bench your expensive player even when they stink because it's acknowledging your failures as an executive. And it'd be way easier, way easier just to blame a player so Jordan Poole gets benched. Of course, it doesn't matter. It matters how NBA games finishes Jordan Poole in the rotation versus him being literally in sweatpants the entire time. I think Jordan Poole, what is his, can you quickly check what his individual number is for tonight's game against the Warriors? I would assume at DraftKings app, you can find player prop bets and over-unders for a player. I may do a bonus pick here in addition to the Wizards plus 11 versus the Warriors. If Koken can get in my ear about a Jordan Poole market of points over under, I want to see where it is. And I may be under as a second pick today. While you're looking, I'm going to have you do three things at once. Did you watch the Knicks-Pistons game? Boy, oh boy, are they pissed. Ooh, he is not listed. All right, no prop bet for Jordan Poole. All right, let's move on to the Pistons-Knicks. Take a minute and listen to the highly paid coach, Monty Williams, of the Pistons, please. The absolute worst call of the season. No call. And enough's enough. We've, we've done it the right way. <clears throat> we've called the league. We've sent in clips. We're sick of hearing the same stuff over and over again. We had a chance to win the game, <clears throat> and the guy dove into Asar's legs, and there was a no call. That, that's an abomination. You cannot miss that in an NBA game, period. And I'm tired of talking about it. I'm tired of our guys asking me, what more can we do, coach? That situation is exhibit A to what we've been dealing with all season long, and enough's enough. You cannot dive into a guy's legs in a big-time game like that and there be a no-call. It's ridiculous, and we're tired of it. We just want a fair game called, period. And I got nothing else to say. We want a fair game. And that was not fair. I'm done. And that'll be $25,000. Wait to see when I tell you something's going to happen. If it does, great. If it doesn't, great. Monty Williams, step right up. Let's make a deal. You owe us 25K. Wait to see is that Monty Williams will get fined for that verbal spewage 
of malice toward officials trying to explain why he's such a highly paid coach. He used to be the highest paid until here comes Spolstra. There goes Kerr. Monty had one of the highest AVs. He held the record for like 69 days. His team does a lot of losing. The Pistons, not good. Monty, frustrated. Now, is it true that Dante DiFincenzo? Could have just gone with Dante, couldn't I have? All right, do you want to wipe that for the show when you edit it and release it? All right, here we go. Four, eight, six, nine. The Knicks have a player named Dante, and he was a raging inferno at the end of the game, rolling into a Pistons player in a loose ball, a clear loose ball foul, and the referees swallowed their whistle. Knicks maintain possession, score, win the game 113-111, and the Pistons are stuck losing their 80th game of the season. But the NBA wants to tell you that everything's a-okay. They get the crew chief to talk to the media. His name is James Williams. You won't believe what he said. Upon post-game review, we determined that Thompson gets to the ball first. That's the Pistons player. And then was deprived of the opportunity to gain possession of the ball. This is referee speak for foul. Therefore, a loose ball foul should have been whistled on New York's Dante DiVincenzo. Is there a protest? Because we know about all these other protests that are filed where the referees say, hey, all good here. You're no, you don't get the rule. You don't get the show. You don't get the game. This is an example where it's not like they had eight minutes left and they were able to. Actually, Coca, can you confirm that was the last play of the game? I'm almost positive it was. Am I totally wrong? It was the final possession. If there were ever a protest for the NBA to uphold, it would be the Pistons protesting this because you can start the game in a tie game with the Pistons having the ball. Or if the Pistons are in the penalty, the Pistons could be on the free throw line. You could actually change the outcome of this game, which could lead to fewer balls for Detroit or a different seating for New York in the playoffs. But either way, it could have a huge impact. How do you not uphold a protest if the Pistons file an official protest? When the pool official, the chief official, said, uh-oh, that's a call. And uh-oh, final possession of the game. Uh-oh, that decided the game. It's not like it decided the spread or you had a bunch of gamblers upset. This was actually the difference between winning and losing. Strike that. Tying and losing. Wait a minute. If they're in the penalty, the Pistons are on the line and they can win. I think you got to protest and have them uphold it. So we're going to see. The Pistons even had the lead at that point. They were up one. Man, that's a problem. I'm not upset that Monty Williams did what he did. I'm more upset than the two-minute report James Williams did what he did because now the NBA, Adam Silver, has got to be looking at himself and say, all right, all right, we got to get New York deep into the playoffs. We need to. We're doing new media rights deals. We need them to have a run to the Eastern Conference Finals. We need the market. Detroit, not so much. Congratulations, Monty, though, on your contract. All right. That's it. We're going to be back tomorrow.
episode 1000, Coca. Are you ready? We are. Until then, it's just business. This is nothing personal. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com